Welcome to episode number 40 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and today I want to talk about six of the most convicting and pressing questions that I've ever asked myself. Let's dive in. Almost 15 years ago now, I came across what is often referred to as the Holy Club of Oxford questions. Uh, The Holy Club of Oxford was a group of men like George Whitfield and Charles and John Wesley, uh, among some others, who would get together and, and they would really just encourage and hold each other accountable and press each other unto Jesus Christ. Well, they came up with a list of 21 questions that they would ask themselves every single day. And it was just a way to really just kind of examine their souls and allow the Spirit of God to really press them in every area of their lives. Now, I'm not going to walk through those 21 questions. In fact, I've written a blog post about that in the past, as well as a free downloadable list of all those questions. And I have a link for those in the show notes. But almost 10 years ago, I was listening to a session by one of my mentors, and and uh, it was interesting. He was talking about these six key questions to ask ourselves in our about our private lives. And as I listened to those six questions, I were was overwhelmingly convicted. In fact, these are probably six of the most convicting questions I've ever asked myself. And what's happened since then over these last 10 or so years is that these six questions are just constantly on my mind. In fact, the Holy Spirit has used these questions over and over and over again to just convict my soul and press me all the more into Jesus Christ. So I thought I'd kind of bring you into my own misery, if you will, and walk through these six key questions. Now, there's nothing special about these six questions. These are just six questions that just allow the Spirit of God to confront us where we're at and really press us all the deeper into Jesus. So I just want to walk through these, and and as I do, Would you be open and willing to the Spirit of God in your life to bring conviction if necessary? Now, not every time that these questions have been brought up in my life has I been convicted. And yet, it seems like nearly every time I think about my life, the Spirit has used these kind of questions to press me all the more into Him. So, let's get started. And again, my encouragement is, would you be open for Him to do something in your life today through these questions? So, Don't just listen to the questions. Allow God himself to stir you and bring conviction if necessary. Be open-handed with your life and say, God, is, is there anything in my life with this area? Well, let's get started. Question number one. Is there anything in my private life that I would hesitate to make known for the shame it would bring my name? In other words, if someone was to look at your private life, if someone was to look you know, kind of open the windows, if you will, of your of your soul and, 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 and kind of see what you're doing when no one else is looking, w- would you be shamed? The language that you use and the attitudes that you have and the actions that you take, w- would there anything that would actually shame you? In other words, if you said, well, yeah, actually, I don't want people to notice that or yeah, there's that attitude that just constantly arises every time such and such happens. Do you have any of those? Because you recognize that if I would have, or if I would feel shame for something that I am doing or thinking or saying, even if it's in private, that's a spiritual issue. I need God to get a hold of every area of my life 24 hours a day for him to really sanctify and consecrate and make me 
holy as he is holy. So is there anything in your private life that you would hesitate to just declare right now in front of a whole bunch of people because it would bring shame to your name? Well, question number two is very similar. Question number two asks, is there anything in your private life that you would hesitate to make known for the shame it would bring his name? Speaking of Jesus. In other words, let's say we brought you up in front of this you know, group of people and all right, let's, let's walk through moment by moment of your last 24 hours or your last week or your last month. Have you said anything or have you thought anything or, you know, has your motives or your actions declared something that would actually shame God's name? Now, maybe you wouldn't be embarrassed. Maybe you wouldn't be, you know, maybe you wouldn't feel the shame, but would, would it be a declaration of who he is? Uh, would, Would everyone just say, wow, what a Jesus or Whoa, you call yourself a Christian? See, am I living my life truly in light of Jesus? Am I truly allowing the Spirit of God to resource and and be the essence of who I am as a Christian? Am I merely trying to mimic and behave and try to, you know, try to act with the life of Christ? Or do I actually have the life of Christ within? Because you realize that if I truly have the life of Christ within, then what comes out of my lips and out of my life and the motives and my attitudes and my thought process should all bring him praise and glory. Again, question number two, is there anything that you would hesitate to make known because it would shame his name? Well, question number three, do you live your private moments carelessly or circumspectly? Uh, the word circumspectly is very interesting. It has this idea of, of aligning your life in such a way where you're you're literally in balance or you're you're very careful or uh, imagine you had this tightrope and you were called to walk the tightrope and you're 100 feet off the ground and there's no net. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be walking very circumspectly. I'd be making sure my one step is perfectly placed on that rope before I picked up the next foot and moved forward. So the question again is, do you live your private moments? In other words, hey, when no one's watching you and, and when, you're, when you're just kind of doing your thing, do you just kind of live carelessly or do you live circumspectly? Do you, do you recognize that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you recognize that the God of the universe lives inside of you? Why would you live careless? Why would you just be, you know, just kind of throw everything in the wind and just not care and just kind of have this whatever attitude? See, you as a Christian are to live circumspectly. Now, that doesn't mean you can't laugh and you can't have fun because I laugh all the time. And the word of God, literally at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. In fact, God loves to laugh. So this is not about do you laugh or you know, are, do you, are you filled with joy? The real, the real question is, hey, are, are you serious and do you have an intentionality in how you live your life even when nobody watches? See, that is a good sign of your spiritual life. It's a good measurement, if you will, because you recognize that if I'm just kind of, well, when people are watching, okay, I'm really serious and, you know, I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing and I'm really spiritual then, but hey, if nobody's around and I'm just kind of by myself, then hey, I'll just kind of live however I want to live. See, that that's that tells me something about my spiritual life. So are you intentional? Are, are you walking circumspectly when no one watches or are you careless? Question number four. Do you speak the gospel in your private life, in your actions, in your purity, in your thoughts, in your motives? I love this idea. Imagine we brought this big screen television up in front of everybody that you know. 
And let's say we plug somehow we could plug you into it and and everything from the last 24 hours could be played in front of them. Um, everything you've done, all of your thoughts, uh, your motives behind your actions, everything you've said, everything becomes just in living color in front of everybody. If they were to watch that, again, it kind of goes back to those questions of one and two, would God or you feel shamed if they saw that? But here's the other question. Question four is really getting at this idea of if they were to see your life when no one else is watching, I mean, when you think no one else is looking at you and and you just lived your life or, hey, if we were to look at how you talked and what you said for the last 24 hours, if, if if we could somehow get into your mind and saw your thought life over these last 24 hours or the last week, would it, as someone was watching, would it be such a declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That you were literally thinking upon Jesus and the word and the the essence of the life of Christ within and the fullness of the gospel. The the way that you lived and the way that you behaved and your actions, your purity, your motives, your thoughts, your words. Would it all be such a declaration of the gospel that someone sitting in in, in the seats would say, wow, I need Jesus. Well, why? Because I saw him in your private moments of living. That I saw your thought process and it's somehow, even just in how you thought when no one else was looking, wow, your mind was focused and stayed upon Jesus Christ. Would they hear the gospel through your mouth and through your actions and through your purity and through your thought process? And Or sadly, would it be such a declaration of sin and selfishness and impurity and, and just garbage? See, wouldn't it be amazing if everything that you said and and how you lived and even your thought process that nobody even sees, the motives behind your actions would all just be a declaration to the praise and glory of the grandeur of Jesus Christ. See, what if what if everything in your life was declaring the gospel? I, I love the old story of David Livingston. David Livingston was a was a doctor missionary in Africa, and, and all these crazy stories were coming out of Africa about David Livingston. And so this newspaper reporter in England said, well, hey, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to you know, do, do, do some research and kind of watch him and see what he's doing and, and see if these stories are even true. And so this was back in the day. He had to get into the boat and he, he sailed from England over to, over to Africa and then he got on the train and, and went into interior Africa. And then he got into the, you know, the, you know, he rode the donkey for a while and then he got into the little canoe. And anyway, he ended up with David Livingston and he spent just a couple of weeks with David Livingston. It was just a powerful time. And. And uh, he eventually made his way back to England. And so obviously by this point, it's been several months. And all of his friends and all of his buddies and all the, you know all those kind of people threw him this welcome home party. And so they're all in this big room and, and you know they all wanted to know, are the stories true of David Livingston? And the newspaper reporter was like, yes, everything we've heard is true. In fact, even more so. It was just amazing. And then the man said this. And had I spent... Another moment with David Livingston. I would have been compelled to become a Christian. And yet he never spoke of it once. Now, I'm all for sharing the gospel. And I'm all for, you know, hey, sharing sharing, the, sharing your faith and, 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 and what God means in your life and, and speaking truth into the lives of other people. Hey, I'm, I'm all for that. But I love this story because there's something going on in the life of David Livingston. See, something was stirring, and, and when the newspaper reporter saw how David, David Livingston lived and talked and acted, he was compelled 
to become a Christian, that there was something going on in the life of David Livingston that was just so compelling. This man said, I, I have to have that. Is that going on in your life? Do, do people look at you and say, wow, I, I have to have what you have. There, there, there is something going on in your life that, that I don't know how to describe this, that, that somehow when the economy tanks, there's, you, you just still have joy and peace and confidence. That, that the, all the presidential stuff that's going on, you have hope and you have focus and, and you're not becoming entangled in just the, the, the wiles and the, and, and the mess and, the, and, and just all the problems and the chaos and, of the day. And, and all look at, I look at your finances and, and yet you have, see, when people look at your life, despite the circumstances, despite the situations, despite what's going on, do they see Jesus Christ? If someone was to watch how, how you treated the person that nobody likes to be around, you know, that one neighbor that everyone just kind of drives everybody crazy. When everyone else watches how you treat that one person or when they're, when they're watching your life and you don't think that they're watching, are you declaring Jesus? Well, what if, what if somebody could get into your mind and really look at your thoughts over the last 24 hours? Would it be a declaration of the gospel? Would they, would they desire to have what you have because of you, of just seeing how you think? If they could look at your internal motives of, of why you do what, what you do, would it be all selfish and sinful motives? Or would they just say, wow, you are just really govern, governed and harnessed and sourced by the Spirit of God? And would they hear the gospel in your private life? Wow, that is just, that for me is one of the most powerful questions to continually ask myself. Nathan, is, is the gospel being declared in your thinking, in your attitude, in your words, in your life? Oh, I want that for my life. I want that for your life. Question number five, would the world have anything to hold over you? Uh, it's been said if you ever run for public office, that if you have those, you know, those skeletons in the closet, that it's better for you to bring them out first than for someone to find them. Because if someone else finds that thing hidden in the closet of your life, then, hey, it's going to cause problems and it's going to, you know, it's going to, you know, overshadow all that, uh, all, the, all the good stuff you've done. Well, well, think about your Christian life. Do you have these hidden things in the closet? Now, it's been said, I don't, I don't know if it's true, but it's been said that, you know, everything that you see online, uh, every website you go to, every text message you send is being recorded. What would it look like as a Christian if the world never had anything to hold over your life? In other words, let's say you stand up and say, "Woo, I'm a Christian. And someone says, well, hey, let's let's look at your what you've been looking at online for the last two months. Let's see if you're actually living out the Christian life or have you been looking at a whole bunch of junk sites? Well, hey, let's look at your text messages and and see how 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 you're how you're talking. Or let's just talk about just normal life. Is there anything in your life that the world could hold over you? Now, I love the fact that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul declares that in Christ you are a brand new creation, that the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. In essence, there's been a line drawn in the sand, and who I was before is not the same person that I am now. And so, yeah, there may be things that were in my closet at one time, but wow, in the freedom and the life of Jesus Christ, I have been set free and I'm a brand new creation. Oh, I love that idea. 
how you're living now as a Christian? Is there anything going on that the world could hold over you? Hey, if they could pull up, you know, the, the whatever of your life, the, the internet sites or the text messages or the phone calls or the private conversations with somebody or would, would the world look at you and say, oh, why, why aren't you living the Christian life here? I, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian all the time. See, would the world have anything to hold over you? Now, regardless of whether they find it or not, if you if, if the Holy Spirit brings about a conviction about anything, about any area, can I encourage you to repent and allow him to freshly remake you and, and, and really bring you into the reality of the fullness of Jesus Christ that allow the 2 Corinthians 5.17 verse to truly come into fruition in your life where who you were before is not the same person that you are now. See, I, I want to live such a life where if I was to stand up publicly, you know, in some big, huge arena and say, I'm a Christian, everyone would say, yep. And there's nothing they could hold over my, my, my life because I am consistent and I'm living out the Christian life. Well, finally, question number six, is my private life with God different than my public life with God? And this is really going back to this idea of hypocrisy or duplicity. See, duplicity is behaving different ways with different scenarios or different people. See, the way that I am on Sunday morning, woo, I'm a Christian, is very different than how I behave down with my buddies on Friday night. Or, yeah, how I'm down at the schoolhouse Monday through Friday is very different than how I behave on Sunday mornings at church. See, that's being duplicit. It's, it's, I'm having, I'm that chameleon. I'm, I'm changing. I'm, I'm behaving differently for different scenarios or groups of people. Perhaps to take it a little bit further. Hey, when, when you're publicly living your life with God, uh, in, in other words, you go to church and the way that you worship at church, is it the same way that you worship at home in private? Hey, when you pray in church and you're and you're fervent and and wow, you're really seeking God, is that the same way you are when no one else is around? A lot of us have this, woo, we're on fire for Jesus on Sunday morning. But all the way to church, we're yelling at the kids and you know, we're kicking the dog and you know, we're 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 hanging with the buddies on Friday night and we're doing a bunch of stuff we shouldn't be doing. And see, far too many of us live a hypocritical, duplicit life. Wouldn't it be interesting if my private life and my public life were exactly the same? That the way that I was on Sunday mornings, if you could sneak in and, and open my, the curtains of my house and watch how I lived when no one was around, is the exact same way. See, what if my attitude down at the local church house was the same as my attitude all throughout the week? See, see what if my love and my passion for Jesus was the same 24 hours a day, regardless of where I was at or who I was with? See, we're often measured by our public worship or our devotion, but it's so easy to fake that. See, the real measurement of our spiritual life is not how we behave in public. It's, well, what do you do when no one's watching? Well, I don't know about you, but those are six seriously convicting questions. So as a quick review, let me just walk through them really quickly one more time. Number one, is there anything in your private life that you would hesitate to make known for the shame it would bring your name? Question number two, is there anything in your private life that you would hesitate to make known for the shame it would bring God's name? Number three, do you live your private moments carelessly or circumspectly? Number four, do you speak the gospel in your private life, in your actions, in your purity, in your motives, your thoughts, and your attitudes? Number five, 
Would the world have anything to hold over you? And number six, is your private life with God different than your public life with God? Again, I encourage you, if the Holy Spirit has really brought something into light or has pressed you in any way and from any of these questions, would you spend some time and, and repent and seek after him and really confess the junk and confess the sin, turn and embrace Jesus afresh and allow him to really shape and form you after his likeness, shape and form you into the character and the image of the fullness of the reality of the Christian life. See, my desire as a Christian is not to be the same person that I was a week ago, a month ago, or a year ago. See, I want this process of sanctification happening in my life. See, I I want God to take me by the hand day by day by day and literally remove more of the dross and and draw me into greater intimacy and relationship with him. Do you recognize that this is a lifelong process? That God's desire for our lives is, is not that we just remain the same, but the Christian life is one of continual sanctification and, and renewal and consecration and, and one where we are being con- continually made holy. See, God doesn't want the junk in our life. He, he doesn't want sin or selfishness or, or what Paul would call the flesh to remain in our lives. And one of the things I just love about the Spirit of God is that, that he may deal with this huge area of your life, but he's going to continually go into the deeper and deeper areas of your life which is why it's a lifelong process. For example, if you dealt with anger, he may deal with a huge anger issue, but see, later on, he's going to be dealing with those little frustrating things that that you may not be getting angry and yelling, but you feel that same attitude on the inside. You don't show it now, but it's like, ah, it's that inside frustration. Well, he wants to deal with that. And then he's going to start dealing with the even deeper stuff beyond that. And then he's going to deal with, wouldn't it be amazing if, if our whole life was just this process where he was continually shaping, refining, and, and shaving off everything in our life that was not him. That, that he would take our lives and measure it against the word of God and anything and any area in our life that didn't measure up to the word of God, the spirit would say, hey, see that? And we'd say, oh no. He'd say, can I get a hold of that? Would you let me inside you just deal with this? with this motive, with this attitude, with this thought process. And see that that's not Jesus. Oh, I want that for you. Would you allow him to shape and mold you? Would you allow him to continually transform you? See, see, don't have this. Well, I've arrived. I've been a Christian for 37 years. Woo. Well, good for you, but you need more of Jesus. Well, probably better stated. He needs more of you. Would you allow him to to continue this process of sanctification. Now, these are six great questions that you can ask yourself. And at least for me, oh, they're so convicting. And the spirit is consistently using these questions in my personal life to really bring me to deeper areas of, of relationship with him, to bring me to deeper levels of, of confession and repentance and, and seeking after him for life and for godliness. And as I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in seeing the 21 questions that that George Whitfield, John Wesley, and Charles Wesley asked themselves daily to really press them in, and really it's the same sort of a process, then if you go to the show notes for this episode, I have a link where you can read an article as well as download a PDF that you can print off of these 21 questions to ask yourself. And you can find that at deeperchristian.com forward slash four zero for episode number 40. 
Well, in today's Bravehearted Voices segment, I am really excited to play you this sermon clip. Now, if you know me at all, you know I'm a huge fan of my mentor, Stephen Manley. He's had just an incredible influence on my life, and we're actually going to be playing one of his sermons from a sermon from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, called The Supply of the Word. It's talking about the fact that Jesus and the Word of God is sufficient for our lives, that God has supplied us as 2 Peter 1.3 says, everything that we need for life and for godliness, which is Jesus Christ himself. So without further ado, this is a sermon clip from Stephen Manley's sermon, The Supply of the Word. Well, surely, preacher, I come into this someplace, don't I? Oh, that's the second part as you move into verse 19 and 20, because it's all about the flow. Oh, yeah, you become the channel through which he flows. See, he is the entire deal, and would you please just become a vessel through which he can flow his dynamic to the world? See, if, you, if you've got this, do you know how few people ever make the transition in their mind from what I do for Jesus to what he does through me? Do you realize that everywhere you go in the evangelical church, the constant emphasis is on what we are doing for Christ? And do you know how anti-New Testament that really is? That we are never called upon to do anything for Christ. We are called to let Him do everything through us. In fact, the Scripture tells us that everything you do for Him is illegitimate. And the only thing that's legitimate is what He does through you. In fact, in John 15, 5, in the whole vine and branch parable, the whole emphasis is, without me, you can do nothing. Because everything you do without him is nothing. So everything you do for him equals zero. And everything he does through you, wouldn't it be awful, ladies and gentlemen, to come up at the end of this thing and find out I worked my fingers to the bone for the church. I scraped, I prayed, I did all these jobs, I gave all this money, and I endured all these sermons. And I just went through this whole thing, and it all ended up to mean nothing. Because I never, ever allowed him to do through me. You know why we don't like that? Because you see, if everything is him and he's doing through me, then you can't come and applaud and say, yes, old manly, you're great. No, you have to say, woo, what a Jesus. You're not much manly, but whoa, what a Jesus. See, the whole appeal of this final chapter is all about here is the dynamic of the person and here is his word that has overwhelming power. And what is he wanting you? What is he calling you to by the power of that word? He's calling you back to one single thing that you might focus on him entirely and allow him in the power of his word just to flow through you and permeate your society. See, we're not asking young people not tonight to give their talent to Christ. Don't give your talent to Jesus. What would he want it for? Man, he can turn stones into the children of Abraham who can sing and preach better than you ever could. Jesus doesn't need my talent. We're not calling people tonight to give their time to Christ. Man, he doesn't need your time. Wait, you think he needs your money? We preachers need your money. He doesn't need your money. Man, he... See, this is not about give your money to Jesus, brother. Don't you understand what this is all about? Would you become a glove into which he can jam his hand and dynamically act through you? Would you become the skin that he puts on and begins to wear you all over your world and begins to flow through you? Would you literally let the mind of Christ be in you? All that I might have the mind that 
was in Christ Jesus, that I might think like he thinks, and that his brain power, his wisdom would somehow flow through me, and I would be somehow the evidence of his thought process. See, I don't want Jesus to repair my heart valves. I want him to rip open my chest, yank my heart out, put his in, until I'd be the throbbing heart of God to my world. And when you walk down the street, people would see the throbbing heart of God beating in me. Do you know anything about that? Are you just busy doing all these religious things? Are you just busy meeting all these requirements? Busy keeping all these laws and keeping the program of the church going and satisfying your conscience with that and coming to the altar when you're supposed to and giving money when you're supposed to and supporting when you're supposed to, which makes you feel okay? Or do you know something about, whoo, God is literally moving through me and I'm, act, I, I'm like a spectator to my own life because through me, God is doing what I'm totally incapable of doing and I can't even believe it myself. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. If you'd like to listen to the full-length sermon by Stephen Manley, as well as look at an outline for this episode and receive links to other resources and articles, for example, that 21 Questions from the Holy Club of Oxford, well, please visit the show notes for this episode by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash 40 for episode number 40. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.